This is Beyond the Helmet. I'm your host, Steve McGrath, and in this episode, I'm pleased to bring you my conversation with Bryce Petty. Now, Bryce is still the only Baylor quarterback to get a piece of the Big 12 title. He did that the two years that he was starting there, and he also finished top 10 in Heisman both years there as well. So after tearing it up, he went, of course, to the NFL, and after a few years there, he exited the game. He's been at AMR Capital, the director of capital markets there, working in real estate development. Now, Bryce is going to tell us about his road to get to Baylor, what it was like playing behind RG3 for Coach Bryles, waiting for his opportunity, and how developing that mindset was able to allow him to see success in life well beyond the football field. And also, special congratulations to Bryce as he just became a father. Now, without any further ado, here is Bryce telling you his story. At Rush, you know, Rush is our managing partner at AMR. Um, you know, through a buddy of mine, and it was kind of right about the time to where, um, you know, we had just got, uh, I guess, cleared, um, you know, through through the injury and, and basically what put me on IR from the Dolphins. Um, and so it was like, hey, we're either going to ramp up, you know, football. And, and at that time, you know, a lot of times in football, you kind of have, you got feelers out there. So you kind of know, hey, I've got a couple teams that are wanting to work out, that kind of thing. And at that time, I really didn't have anybody that, that was calling. And so it was kind of like, you know, gear up for the 10-team the workout and, you know, be ready to rock and roll that way, which I was fine with. It was going to happen. Um, you know, but when I found Rush, it was just very interesting to where um, I kind of had two paths a little bit. And the best part about it was I could do them simultaneously. So I could still go work out um, and do what I needed to do to make sure that, hey, if a team does call, I'm ready while also, um, you know, living in a place where I know I was going to settle down, um, I was able to kind of just, hey, let's just go see if we can't have a few meetings or find some meetings. And so um, I, I was just kind of lucky enough, and I think a lot of it was the Baylor connection. You know, I, I just hit up a lot of the, the Baylor guys that um, that have reached out, you know, in the past as, as far as, hey, if you need anything, let me know. And so I just kind of started talking, and, and all of a sudden one meeting kind of turned to two and two to four, and and you know, the person that I met set me up with three people and then all those three people set me up with three people. So before you know it, your web gets, you know, kind of out there. And, and so it was just one of those things where I'd, I would pray every morning in the truck and just be like, you know, God, tell me what you want me to do. Do you want me to do, you know, real estate or, or do you want me to do football? And, and the web just kind of kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger to where I kind of started seeing, you know, a little bit of success and, and a path with real estate. So I, um, you know, to, to your point, it was, it was a blessing that, you know, there was, kind of that fallback because not a you know it's hard I like I said I mean I'm blessed I got lucky because I had something that I was passionate about you know that I could pick right up um but for a lot of guys it is it is hard to find what that next stage is yeah but it also sounds like it was gradual like it wasn't yeah. that abrupt like oh it's over it's like you kind of allowed this to slowly come along and I think that's a big piece of it too right and you can take it slow you know you can you can really fill up fill out you know what what it is that you like about it um, and, and that's the hard part about, you know, when you're an athlete, you've spent your whole life doing one thing. Um, there's no internships, there's no, uh, you know, summer jobs, there's no, you know, most of the guys, um, you know, myself included, we just kind of get through school just to get through school. And there's not a true plan with, Hey, what's going to happen when we get out? Because man, at 18, 19, 20 years old, like I'm going to the NFL. Like that's what I'm, that's what I've been working for. That's what I want to do. Um, and, and so, you know, I was lucky enough to have, you know, be able be one of those guys that had that dream to come true. 
Um, so everything else is just on the back burner because you're like, hey, if Tom Brady can have a 16-year career, why can't I? You know, and the fact of the matter is just not everybody's Tom Brady. So, um, yeah, it's, it, was, it was a beautiful thing that was gradual, and I just took it day by day, and that's kind of how you have to, to look at a lot of things in life. Yeah, and, you know, but we sort of jumped right into this. Um, obviously, real estate can mean a lot of things. So can, do you actually want to jump into what is it specifically that you are doing and yeah, how that fits into what AMR's overall view is? Yeah, yeah. So, so AMR's kind of been through a couple chapters now in, in the last year and a half, really. Um, so when I came in, it was simply to, hey, let's go network. Um, you know, my, my specific title is Director of Capital Markets. Um, really, it's just a fancy, fancy thing to uh, say that. I, um, so, uh, to the to the viewers out there that, that don't really know how it works, because I'm I'm only saying this because I didn't know how it worked. But when you go buy a property, you'll have debt, and then you'll have equity, and it's just like a, a down payment on a house. That's what you're going to put up out of your bank, finance the rest. Well, that's what I have to go do. So, um, you know, typically those checks can be anywhere from you know five hundred thousand, or they can be you know. To a lot of your multifamily guys um, that, that are these bigger properties, you know, they can be ten million dollar checks, um, and so you got to go raise that that ten million dollars. And so, um, you know, when we started, it was more of the syndicate model. You know, we wanted to be third party. Um, Rush has had a lot of success um, in his past with with owning and operating properties. Um, retired in about 20, 2016, 2017. Loves to tell people he failed at retirement, um, came back. And so he's, he kind of wanted to get back in the game a little bit. And so we were kind of syndicating a little bit. And then he um, just kind of got, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that like, man, when you're an alpha, you're an alpha. You know, so you can't really, if you know a certain model that works and you get with people that don't necessarily have that same viewpoint, you're like, all right, I'll, I'll just do it myself kind of thing. And that's kind of where we got to um, probably middle of year last year. Um, I started doing some multifamily stuff, but the problem was, you know, multifamily in Dallas, Fort Worth, especially is very competitive. Um, it's very competitive. You have a lot of outside money, um, whether it's overseas or, you know, East, West coast. Um, you just have a lot of firms who want to come to DFW. And so, um, we were getting bit out like crazy. Um, and then at the same time, the, the, the purchase prices involved in multifamily were so expensive that as an operator, you don't really make any money. You don't make any money till like year 12 um, and you're never really going to hold that that long. So it was just kind of tough for us to find some things. Um, and then as November of last year, we kind of stumbled upon a storage facility um, that was an existing storage facility. So it was already stabilized. It was 90 um, and we started underwriting it and we were like, holy smokes, man, this thing is pumping out cash. Like this will be a great deal. And so we were actually talking about doing that in house, um, with just AMR's money. And then we started, you know, finding a lot more of them. And so now we've kind of flipped the, the chapter to not just, not just syndicating, not just multifamily, but we're actually building out a, a storage facility, um, you know, portfolio. And so still raising money, still, still doing that day to day. Um, but we've kind of transitioned. So now AMR Capital is fully uh, owning and operating storage facilities, existing storage facilities, um, you know, around Texas and the surrounding states. It's awesome that it feels like a dynamic environment. You're not pigeonholed into doing one thing. You, you now have options to like actually just look to see what the opportunities are and then maneuver accordingly. That's right. That's right. Exactly. And that's, and that's the beautiful thing about, 
um, you know, real estate in general is it's something new every day, you know, and, and that's, that's the fun part about going to work every day. But, you know, especially with the, the COVID stuff as well, I mean, you kind of have to, you've got to be able to, to adjust. And that's what I, I mean, football has taught me so many different things about life, you know, whether it's, you know, marriage or friendships or even, you know, now the next career path, um, you know, the, the ability to adjust and, and remain calm adjusting, you know, is, is an important deal. So definitely. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it, there's so much to with sports in general, how it can spill over to, to other parts of your life. Um, it, it, what I really wanted to do is just sort of back into, you know, how you get here because, you know, I think so much got made about, you know, RG3 and, you know, everything that he did, which is great and everything. But like when you look to see when was Baylor winning Big 12 titles, there's a certain <laughs> quarterback that was at the top of that list. So uh, can we just bring this back uh, for yeah. when you were in high school? Because Baylor, it's pre-RG3. I mean, they're not even a 500 team. Yep. You're, you're a pretty highly touted quarterback prospect. How does that road to Baylor you know, come together for you? Yeah, um, shoot, man, like a lot of things in my life, it, it worked out how I didn't want it to work out. <laughs> and, I, and I say that in the, in the utmost respect for Baylor because I would never, ever trade, um, you know, my days there at Baylor. We had incredible teams, incredible people there. Um, but in saying that, I was a huge SEC guy growing up. So we were in Arkansas. That's where I grew up, you know, first and ninth grade. Um, so we were calling hogs, you know, every, every day in elementary school. But, you know, my family – uh, both my grandparents and, and pretty much everybody but us were in Louisiana. So, you know, 03, 07, like, you know, LSU had some teams, um, you know, with Nick Saban there and everything. So um, it was, it was, hey, I'm either going to LSU or, or Arkansas. And so, you know, we ended up moving to Texas and still I was like one of the only kids that never wore like an A&M shirt or a Texas shirt. I didn't even know anything about those schools and never even watched them. I was watching SEC football every Saturday. Um, and so I actually, you know, was, was able to go to Knoxville and Philip Fulmer in, in, in Tennessee uh, offered me a scholarship and I guess June going into my senior year. Um, just signed a seven-year extension. Uh, loved him. You know, Dave Clawson was the OC there. Um, had a had a pretty good pedigree and and um, so I just I kind of fell in love with it and um, so I committed there. Um, well, fast forward, they uh, I think they went like it wasn't good. It was like three and eight maybe something like that. But um, we were actually at the the Florida game for my official and it's fun to see a hundred thousand people in the stadium. It's not fun seeing a hundred thousand people in a stadium when they boo. And so it was like, holy smokes, what do I get into? But um, anyways, we so they actually, you know, ended up firing Philip Fulmer. You know, Kiffin it was the, the coach that came in and uh, actually believe it or not, had me and Tosh Boyd committed at the same time. You know, Tosh Boyd went and had a, a great career with Clemson and, and on in the NFL, actually the Jets as well. So I guess I follow him um, too much. But uh anyway, so we um and I feel like a little rocky, um, you know, and ended up decommitting. Well, well, Coach Montgomery was the OC at Baylor at the time. Um, and, and he was in, you know, Coach's office, like, for the next week. And uh, he's like, I really want you to come down to Waco. I want you to meet Coach Bryles. And, um, you know, I met Coach Bryles. And the, the beautiful thing about, you know, Coach Bryles is, is he's the same guy that you see on TV and on interviews as he is in person. And, you know, he sat there and told me in his office. He's like, listen, we got a guy that's, that's I think, is going to be a stud. Um, you know, so we're really not looking for a quarterback 
Um, but, but you know, we like it if you want to come in. So it was like, it was one of those things that, you know, when you ask a girl out, it's like, ah, I mean, I'm really not looking, but sure. Why not? <laughs> kind of one of those things. Um, and, and so anyways, it was, it was actually, you know, January when I decommitted from Tennessee. So it was kind of getting to that point of like, and I got to figure out where to go. And, um, so anyways, the, the, the 14 hour drive that I thought I was going to love being away from home compared to the hour and 10 minute drive, you know, from Waco to Midlothian. And I just kind of, I, I love that mixed in with, you know, Coach Bryles being honestly, well, brutally, really. And, and Coach Montgomery was just kind of, he was like, man, just get here, just get here, just get here. Um, and so we ended up going there, you know, the, the I mean, whatever it was, 1400 something days between, you know, last start in high school, first start in college, there's a lot of stuff in between there. Um, but it was, it was kind of a perfect storm to, you know, an unbelievable 13 and 14 run, um, you know, for, for Baylor, because, you know, Griff and, and Bryles a, a lot with, the, with a lot of other guys put us on the map. And, you know, when Texas and A&M came to school anymore, it wasn't just like, oh my gosh, it's Texas, I'll commit. It was like, yeah, well, I got Waco, I can go play as a freshman and they're good, you know? And um, so it was just, it was a lot of, a lot of um, crazy cool things that happened all at the same time to kind of build this, this, uh, I guess, beautiful trajectory of, of two Big 12 championships, a new stadium, and all kinds of stuff. So, Yeah, so as you alluded to, you know, our Coach Bryles was, you know, feeling pretty confident about, about this guy, Robert, that he had there, mm -hmm. and that confidence paid dividends. But in 2012, before you get a chance to really uh, get out there, they go with Nick Florence. So you, you came in under the pretense of, I'm not the guy right away. But do you remember going into that year thinking, like, it should be me? Do you, do you recall how that played out? Oh, I was pissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, uh, and, and Nick, you know, Nick's a, good, Nick's a good buddy of mine. But, yeah, I mean, that was, that was tough because, um, you know, you have the, the moment of, you know, as a, as a freshman coming in from high school, we weren't real successful. Um, and, and I've always kind of battled with, like, that. I, I kind of look around and, you know, you, you see guys um, – you know, that are highly, com highly competitive, very successful, that, that don't look around and it's, it's, I'm the best guy here and I'll show you that kind of deal. I was always kind of a feeler outer, you know, I wanted to feel out stuff. So, so being 18 going in, you know, to Waco was a perfect scenario for me because I get to kind of feel things out. Where am I at, you know, in seven on seven, where am I at in team drills and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, but then, you know, once we came back that next summer, it was like, perfect, here we go, I'm running. And, you know, and then Griff had his unbelievable year, um, really came out of nowhere when I was watching that dude throw his, you know, and, and whatever that was, 11 to, well, I guess 10 to 11. I was like, dude, what did this guy eat? I mean, he just got jacked up and was throwing the ball like 80 yards. Um, the ball would whistle. It was crazy. But anyways, so so being behind him that year was, was everything in, in me was just competing with Nick and really trying to show Bryles like, hey, you got a dude once Griff leaves. Like this, this train's not stopping. Um, and and even though I say that, I probably I don't even know if I thought about Nick. You know, I thought it was it was always going to be you know Griff and, and me. Well, we get into spring ball the next year, and uh, there's there's not even a competition. It's like you know Nick's running with ones, I'm running with twos, um, and that and that was it. And you know then you kind of not that I'd read a whole lot of the interviews or whatever, but you see Riles and, and yeah, it's competition, you know, no, there's 
his favorite thing to say is keys to the car. You know, there's no keys to the car yet for anybody. And I'm sitting here going like, well, dude, give me a chance then. I built some like animosity a little bit towards towards me just to that situation, not the brows, not the neck, whatever, just that situation of like, man, what the heck? I'm sitting here, you know, um, that, and, and at that point I was like in the best shape of my life. I was, um, you know, in, in physical shape anyways, and then throwing the ball, throwing the ball better than I've probably ever had in my life. And, and so I just could not figure out, I was like, I know the offense, you know, I, I feel like, you know, guys respect me in that matter. What the heck? And, uh, but that was actually the best growing year for me, to be totally honest with you, is because, you know, after that first game, the I had a, almost like a built-up selfishness towards, like, entitlement, almost. You know, like, this should be me because everything that I listed, instead of looking at the bigger picture and being like, well, it's, it's bigger than you, you know? And so I, I remember vividly one night just being like, all right, if I'm going to be the backup quarterback, I'm going to try and be the best backup quarterback I can be in the country. Like, there, there's no one that's going to be a better backup quarterback than me, if that's what I have to do. Um, and so, honestly, man, it just kind of changed my whole perspective on a lot of different things. And, um, you know, to where that next that next off season, it was it was go time. And, um, shoot, man, we ended up going, you know, 10-3 and 11-2 and, and rocking and rolling and uh, two big toe championships. And it, it couldn't have been better. Yeah, so how much does that carry over to when you get to the NFL? Because, you know, even though you're a fourth-round pick, which is pretty high for a quarterback, I mean, you don't draft someone there unless you have expectations for them. But they get drafted to a team where, you know, there's veteran guys. How – was it easy for you to kind of flip the switch again? Like, okay, I'm back to the backup quarterback scenario. I'm just going to have to be the best backup I can until it's my time. I mean, I'm sure that that had to you know, pave the way for that mindset in the NFL. Yeah, no, no, no. Did you know? Because there was a lot of there was a lot of growing, and, and I'll be the first one to tell you. Like, I, there's no way that I would have been ready you know, to be a starter, you know, in the league. That there was so much that I needed to learn because our our offense in Baylor, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, from a mental aspect on a quarterback's plate. There wasn't a whole lot of for, for us to do. You know, every play had a, had a designated you know protection scheme. Every run game, you know, the run scheme that we had, they would just call it, ball it, kind of roll. Um, where in the NFL, everything was different. Um, you know, you weren't just seeing cover four like you do and, and you know, when you play TCU, you play a little cover six. But, um, you know, th it's not the same coverage every game. Um, there's blitz schemes, there's packages, there's situational football, which was crazy to me because, shoot, man, a fourth and eight, coach was punting. You know, I mean, uh, coach was throwing, you know, at, at Baylor, whereas in the NFL – you know, if it's, if it's third and six, you want to run just to where you get a manageable, you know, punting distance. And then you're it was just a totally different scope of football that I had been, you know, really living in the last five years. Um, and so I needed to learn. And so that was where, you know, fit this was incredible for me because, you know, one, he, he was always willing to teach, but at the same time too, he was like the, the older brother I never wanted, um, you know, and, 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 you know, mess with me just constantly. I, I loved every part of that rookie year. Um, going into the second year, you know, I felt a lot more comfortable with, with what was asked of me and what was, what was needed from me, expected rather. Um, you know, but then we drafted Hackenberg, you know, in the, in the second round, which was tough because to your point, the draft slot of a quarterback in particular is – 
it's a very interesting political world. <laughs> um, now, granted, it doesn't matter. When you get your opportunity, you get your opportunity, and Tom Brady is a perfect example of that. Um, but the, the growth that I had back in college of that, like, hey, I got every rep of the twos. Um, you get better competition. You, you know, you got more in your play, all that kind of stuff was a little bit diminished, you know, when I got to my second year and kind of getting gearing up to be like, hey, let's let's start getting this train rolling a little bit. Um, and so I'm just one of the, again, I'm one of those guys that I like feeling things out, but the way that I get over that is through reps that I get to see success and, and build on success. And so um, that was where I, I, had a, I had to have a different mentality because it was like, okay, I, now you don't get reps. You know, you're, you're number two slash three because they drafted this kid in the second round. They're gearing him up, you know, to, to, to start. And, you know, now everything goes from, you know, the, the actual physical reps to everything's got to be mental reps. Um, and so that was kind of a different culture for me a little bit, um, you know, in that world too. And so it, it, it definitely helped build on those, on those blocks. But at the same time, too, um, I had to adopt kind of a new strategy and that you got to be ready when your number's called. And so you still have to prepare. Everybody says prepare like a starter. No one actually does. Um, not, I, sh I shouldn't say that as a blanket statement. But I, I was trying to do everything I could to actually prepare like I was a starter without reps. And um, so in the NFL, that's just a totally different world. Right. Yeah. So when you ultimately, um, I believe it's against the Patriots, it's your shoulder injury that you get. If you're doing everything you can with, with limited reps and you finally get your chance despite all this and then an injury happens, how do you deal with that where I, I'm sure you were just so pumped to get out there and then yeah. just like that's taken from you? I, right, I mean, that, right. That's such a hard pill to swallow. Um. Yeah, I mean, shoot, man, such is such is life. You know, it's it's crazy. It's crazy saying that, but um, that that was my story, man. That was my story. And so you've got you've always got two, you always got two choices. You know, there's always a fork in the road. You can take you know choice A or door A, or you can take door B. And a lot of times, you know, if if door A is to you know strap up and and um, tie your shoes a little bit tighter and get get to hiking. Uh, then door B is just to give up, you know, and well, it's not going to work out, you know, because everything into my career to that point never really worked out how I thought it was. Right. But in saying that, looking back, it always was better. Um, and so for, for me, I'm a, I'm a man of faith, but, but that's where that faith kind of stepped in and, and provide a lot for me because, you know, Hey man, life's not working out, but I know that there's a plan that's kind of set. And so I just got to, you know, maintain the course, maintain my character, be a good person um, and, and try to, to work through, you know, whatever my vision of what life's supposed to be like um, and actually act out what my life is, if that makes sense. So um, because I think goals and dreams and ambitions are good. Like if, if you don't have that, you're, you're, you're pretty much dead. Right. You got to have something to work for. Um, but you also have to kind of go back to our, our adjust. Um, you know, comment earlier, you got to be able to, to adjust and, and adapt to what life brings you because it's just not going to work out a lot of times to most people how, you know, you kind of foresee it happening in your head. So, you know, to have that happen um, again to me was a hurdle, another roadblock in, in um, you know, my, my 
at that time my illustrious NFL career, right? Um, so it was just one of those things that I had to I had to move through, and and that was a, a gut punch to the the positivity really because you know it it would have been very easy to just sit back and be like, well, you know my NFL career is is blowing, I'll get reps and all this kind of stuff. Anyways, and there's a lot of negativity in that. Um, but then now you look down the road and, and I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to, you know, either potential investors or big guys in offices where I would never be. And I talk about playing the Patriots, you know, I talk about playing, um, you know, in the NFL. And so it's, everything kind of works out. It's just, you know, sometimes a different way or not where you really anticipate it. Sure. Sure. Uh, now the what if game is such a bad game to play. But yeah. I, I have to ask, do, do you ever think about if it wasn't the Jets, if it wasn't Coach Bowles, and that's nothing against Coach Bowles, but if it's a different scheme or a different organization, do you just imagine or, or ever go through that mental exercise of like, man, this could have played out so many different ways. I wish X. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's human nature, right? So I think I'd be lying to you if I didn't, if, if I said, oh, no, I don't think about the what ifs. Um, you know, I think I think to me the what ifs um, are maybe not the you know where I was drafted or or the the reps, the coaches or whatever. It's just more of um, I, I take it another way. This what if I would have actually trained harder? You know, what if what if I would have watched more film? What if I would have played more mental reps? What if I'd have gone you know into the facility you know by myself and ran through those things more? Right and so, um, because my, my thing is, man, it's, it's, it's at, at the end of the day, your success and failure, um, again, like I said, it's already been written out is for you to play through, but you learn so much from your failures, right? Um, I, I don't, I don't like to change how life has happened. I don't, I don't like to play the regret game or the what if game just because what if that stuff hadn't have happened? And it would have gone exactly how, you know, I wanted it to go. What would I have learned from that? Whereas I can sit here and tell you in this chair, and I learned a hell of a lot from all that stuff that happened as me as a person, um, you know, me as a, as a husband and, and maybe, you know, a soon to be dead. Um, and then, you know, as a, as a professional and, you know, career A, B, C, D, you know, and so that's, that's where it's hard for, for me to, to play that game just because of life lessons that are taught through failures, life lessons that are taught through hard times, the hurdles that, that inevitably get you to your mountaintop and you get to look back and be like, that's exactly why I went through that. Amen, man. Preach. Yeah. Preach. Yeah. I, um, all right, so uh, just a little bit different. Um, when you look at the, particularly the receivers that, you know, I, I, you know, Robert was, uh, you know, throwing to, you know, Josh Gordon, Terrence uh, Williams, Kendall Wright, but even the guys that, that you were, were throwing to, I, I mean, the list of guys, uh, the, the, the nuts. <laughs> so obviously, you know, coach Browles knew a thing or two about, you know, recruiting the right receivers, but, um, when it comes to actually playing, do you have a take on, would you rather have, you know, uh, incredible receivers, incredible linemen or incredible running backs versus just average, but like what skill group around you was going to give you the biggest edge? Um, and I know that you, you have to be a little biased about receivers considering. Yeah, right. Shoot, man. I've never actually been asked that before. That's interesting. Um, you're going to put, I'm going to have several texts on my phone. after this. Uh, <laughs> 
All right, so my initial, my initial gut reaction to that is that if you don't have time to throw the ball, it does not matter if you have Josh Gordon, OBJ, uh, Terrell Owens, Jerry Wright, it don't matter who you have, um, you're going to struggle getting the ball to them. Um, so you got to have five incredible guys up front. Now, in saying that, there's very few times where – and in the context of throwing the ball, that five guys can pick up six guys. So you have to have an incredible running back that can not only tote the rock and put you in good positions, this but is also such a diplomatic. Don't do it! Answer. Don't do it! I'm not done yet. Um, so you got to have a guy that can that can tote the rock, put you in good situations. The second three is that way you can go downfield, but also pick up blocks. And then thirdly. You have to have incredible receivers because if you just have average receivers, then it doesn't matter if you have great line or a great back to get you a second three, they can't run around. So um, I think how I would layer that is to say that you have to have three incredible groups of, uh, of teammates there, 10 guys, if you will, um, that help you make, make me look a lot better than he was. <laughs> Sucker. Well played. Well played, yeah, sir. Yeah. Checkmate. Uh, didn't shout out the coach though, so I guess you know players are more important <laughs> than coaches. Right. That's right, and you gotta have a coach that calls plays. That's right. Oh, uh, well, uh, Bryce, I did to to wrap this up. I I want to run through what I call the gauntlet with you. It's just a couple quick hitter questions. I think this is a, yeah. a good precursor for. So from the jump, man, it, when it comes to winning a game, what's most important? Number one offense or number one defense? Mm. Special teams a lot of times. <laughs> Special teams win games a lot of times. No, I mean, you know that you know that the saying, man, you know, offense wins games, defense wins championships. So you can't I'm, I'm telling you, man, you can't uh, you can't do anything in life without people around you. And, and again, it's just what football has taught me. But um, I know that you're going to hate my answers to these questions if there are a lot of those. <laughs> but I've just I've been around too many good teams to where, um, you know, as, as great as and, and, and statistically our was, um, you know, throughout, you know, kind of my tenure at Baylor our defense was stout um, and, and especially 13 and 14 with those guys, they were really, really good. They made stops when we needed them. And, and so you can't have that without the other. So. Fair enough. You're going to hate it. <laughs> Players or scheme. Ooh. Um, I will tell you this. I learned this in the NFL. If you, you can have as great a scheme as you want, but if you don't have the players that fit that scheme, it'll never work. On the flip side of that, you can have, um, I'm trying to think of which one I said first, greatest scheme, but if you don't have the players, yeah. So if you can have the greatest players and you can have a terrible scheme and that doesn't work. Um, so again, it's another marriage between the two and the best teams that are, that are out there. Um, they have coaches draft the players that fit their scheme. Um, because you, you can, I'm not going to list anybody, but there's a, there's a lot of, of guys out there that you kind of watch on tape that, that, you know, will, will play, will be very successful here. And then they go over here and they're not successful. Um, and that was kind of a, a tough thing with, with the NFL, because you see certain organizations that, that have been successful for a long time. And they're, you know, the head coach is, is boss man. He's the one that picks guys, um, 
you know, drafts guys, put those guys in those schemes, it's because he knows those schemes. And, you know, so you can have a, a highly, you know, talented player in a bad scheme and it's tough. That's the beautiful thing about watching Pat Mahomes. I mean, he is in, he is a talented player through and through. They, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying if he's in any other, uh, you know, organization that he's not Pat Mahomes. But the beautiful thing is, is him and Andy Reid together are like a mad scientist. Andy Reid gets to have as much fun as he wants to. Um, and so that's, that's fun about watching good ball is when you have great players and great schemes. And it's, and it's a beautiful little marriage there. Absolutely. And a slight tangent to that is, you know, Josh McDaniels, I live in the New England area, has gotten yeah. a lot of praise over the years. So we'll see that how does he now tailor a new scheme to obviously different kid, young kid with a different skill set. So it's going to be one of those things that, you know, how good is your scheme to now match That's the right. new talent that you have? Um, yeah. but, but agreed. All right. So now you can't be diplomatic because I'm going to ask, did you have a pregame <laughs> ritual that you stuck to? Uh Man, I, I never really did, but I, I had, you know, I would, I would go, I would do the same thing every time, if that makes sense. But it, but I didn't really necessarily see it as a ritual. But um, I, I would say more or less of what I listened to was a ritual because I had, in a weird way, I don't know how it happened, but I had um, Justin Timberlake and then Florence and the Machine as my like my playlist. I don't know how it happened, but it was like a perfect, you know. Uh, but kind of chill, you know, over overlay because uh, you know as a quarterback you can't be you can't be wilding out, you can't be doing the smelling salts and all that kind of stuff. You kind of have to be locked in and in your zone, and uh, you know, or at least for me, anyways. And uh, and so that was that was kind of my pregame ritual was turn the uh, the headphones on, and listen to to uh, JT and Florence. So kind of weird. Hey, whatever works, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, now. Uh, was there ever one player that you just wish you would have had a chance to play with? Oh, um, let's see. Um, I think um, for for whatever reason, um, kind of interesting that his name kind of pops up in my head. Um, well, I'll give you two guys. I'll give you two guys. One, because uh, I was a huge Brett Favre fan. So I, I would love uh, to play with, with Brett Favre and, uh, you know, just get to sling the rock with him. Um, but oddly enough, I, I don't know why. I don't know if it's because of the, you know, but like Deion Sanders, I think would be a lot of fun to, you know, especially when he was in his, uh, obviously, but, you know, going the defense to offense and, and being around guys like that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why his name popped up, but I think it would just be fun to watch him play. Dion and Randy are two names that always pop up when yeah, I ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Randy would. I, I don't know why I didn't think of Randy first. That, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Be fun. All right. So, so lastly, and I think it's most important, given everything you were able to accomplish athletically, you've been able to you know, transition to a great second career. What's the best piece of advice that you would give? Shoot, man, I don't know if that's something I can wrap up. Um, I could talk on that for hours. No, I think I think the first thing that comes to mind is just is again to 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 dive in, but it's it's dive into dive into the opportunity that is your second career. Um, again, you know, kind of going back, a lot of guys have a hard time um, with the notion of what do I do next. And to me, I just kind of saw that as an opportunity. And granted, you know, I was it was kind of tossed up to me a little bit 
you know, probably before some other guys get, you know, that opportunity. But um, again, it all, it all goes back to your mentality of, of certain things. So, so second career as a opportunity to, to start fresh, to start new, to do what you're passionate about. Um, and because a lot, a lot of guys, the second career is, is the majority of your life. You know, it's crazy because you think of, you know, you, I, I spent, you know, 22 uh, years, um, but I will have, you know, that and some in my second career, um, you know, just because of where life leads you, you know, in those, in those moments. So um, embrace the opportunity, embrace the change, um, but also love the change, love the process of, of kind of growing and, and finding out, you know, what you're passionate about. And, and, um, and then, you know, lastly, you just, you dive in, you know, there's no, no tiptoeing through, through life at that point. You gotta, you gotta rock and roll and, and make it happen. You know, that's kind of what a lot of these guys have been able to do when they get to the league or they get to, you know, where they're, whatever they're at athletically, they had to make it happen somehow. So, um, you know, dive in and make it happen. Dive in. Awesome. Bryce, thank you so much for taking the time, man. I, hey, I really yeah. appreciate it. No doubt. No doubt. Thank you for the green and gold. Oh, man, of course. Uh, <laughs> for you and Graylin Arnold and any other uh, Baylor Bear I get a chance to talk to. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for having me, man. I had a great time.